battle, um, the flesh versus the spirit. Um, this has been a, um, an awesome, awesome series that we've been going through on Wednesdays. Um, and uh, we're just uh, believing God that he's going to continue to change us, rearrange us, make us better. Amen. Amen. Before we move into our Bible study tonight, why don't you all just do, uh, do me a favor. Help me pray right now and just ask God to be with us. Touch us in this place tonight. Can you help me do that right now? Lord, you're awesome, and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, to hear your word. God, I pray, Lord, that this word would not return void. God, that it would deeply root itself within our spirits and our souls, God. God, I pray that you would help every person under the sound of my voice, God, to block out the noise of whatever's going on in their life. Anything that's any situation outside of these four walls that would try to hinder their minds from receiving what you have to speak to them tonight that would hinder, oh God, their ability, God, to grasp, God, what thus saith the word of God. I pray, not, Lord, right now that there'd be a liberty, a freedom in this place tonight, God, to hear from you, to hear your word, to know the power that's in it, God. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would bless and touch every man, every man, woman, boy, and girl that is under the sound of my voice. God, let your power, your supernatural, all in wonder to flow in this service tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, so the battle, the flesh versus the spirit, the proverbial battle that we all battle and face. Um, the question arises again tonight. How do we avoid the works of the flesh and develop the fruit of the spirit? Really good question. Uh, and we, we, we're just doing a quick recap, and then we'll jump right into our, our message for tonight. Uh, the, the, the best way in order to do this, to avoid the works of the flesh and develop the fruit of the Spirit, is number one, to minimize the influence of our sinful human nature. Anything that causes our flesh to want to take part in our sinful human nature, we should minimize that in our life. Anything that causes those things to happen, whatever it might be, maybe it's a, a TV show that you need to cut out. Maybe it's something that you are partaking of on social media that you need to block out in your, of your life. Maybe it's a, a person that you allow to get into your head and to mess with you and to change your, your way of thinking and to make you begin to speak things that maybe you normally wouldn't speak and to act ways you normally wouldn't act that way. Whatever it might be, we need to minimize the influence of our sinful human, human nature. And number two, we need to maximize the influence of the spirit of God. How do we do that? Well, where, where's, where's the windows of your spirit, folks? It's your eyeballs, it's your ears. What are you listening to? What are you looking at? What are you reading? What are you not reading? What are you listening to? What are you not listening to? You got a pretty good idea when you start putting things through that filter, if you will, as to is this something that is helping me, changing me, rearranging me? Is this influencing me through the spirit of God or is this influencing my human nature? So we need to minimize, everybody say minimize, the influence of sinful nature and we need to maximize, everybody say maximize, the influence of the spirit of God. Now, just as a quick reminder, the flesh is attempting to exist outside of the influence of the Spirit. And when that occurs, the works of the flesh are the result. I got one right. One person believes me. So when we, when we allow our flesh to exist and to operate outside of the influence of the Spirit, the works of the flesh are the result. The flesh equals rejection of God. That's, that's what our flesh did. It, 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 go on all the way back to the, the Garden of Eden. They, they, had, they had paradise. They had everything they could ever imagine. and got, They had one rule. And what did they do? They broke it. One rule. So anybody here who's been a parent for more than 30 seconds knows that's exactly the first thing your kid wants to do. As soon as you say, don't touch that, they go, why? I try, I, I, hey, listen, I was that kid. I had to learn. It was, don't stick your finger in that light socket. Why? Why? Okay, go do it. <laughs> I, was, I was that kid. I understand. It, it's, 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 it's our human nature. It, our, our nature and, and our flesh wants to reject the Spirit of God. We want to operate in that freedom that God has given us, that free will. And the, and the only way to deal with that flesh is to do what Paul said. We have to crucify it. We have to die daily. We have to die daily out to the works of our flesh and the operations of our flesh. This flesh is sinful. This flesh will cause you to say things that you don't really mean and cause you to do things that you didn't really want to do. 
So we have to make sure that we're cutting those things out of our life, that we're crucifying that flesh, that we're praying that prayer every morning. God, orchestrate my thoughts, orchestrate my actions. God, allow me to walk according to your will and your purpose. Because if I walk in my flesh, my kid will fail. If I walk in my flesh, Mike Kidwell will do things that I don't really want to do and I will say things I don't really mean and I become a mean, hateful person. Why? Because that's the way our flesh operates. It's, a, it's, who, it's, it's who the flesh is. It operates as a sinful nature. Um, it's, it, it's, a, it's a matter of your heart. The appetite of the inner man determines the outcome of our behavior. Y'all missed that. The appetite of the inner man determines the outcome of your behavior. What your flesh is seeking, what your heart is really seeking, what it desires is going to determine how you act outside. You may put on a good facade at some point, but at some point there's not going to be anybody else watching, anybody else looking. What does your heart cling to in those moments? If it's clinging to things that are not of God, if it's clinging to things of this world and not to the things of, this, uh, of the word of God, and it's not clinging to the things that God's calling you to do, to operate in, to walk in, to talk in, to preach in, to live in, you got a pretty good idea of how the condition of your heart is. I want my heart to be holy. I want my heart to be a clean place. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. I want it to be a pure place where the Holy Ghost can reside in. Because when the Holy Ghost is inside of your heart, it's going to help you to make those right choices, to make the right decisions. You, when the Holy Ghost steps in and takes over, you make decisions that you wouldn't have made without it. Amen? So, so we, we have to, we have to, have to, have to. Crucify this flesh daily. We have to make sure that the condition of our heart is pure. We have to cut out the things that causes our heart to not be pure. We have to cut out the things that influence us out the outside of these four walls that influence us more than the word of God. It, it becomes good practice if you have that daily uh, relationship with the Lord. It becomes good practice to get your nose in his word every single day. At least a few scriptures that you can allow to speak to your heart and minister to your mind if, if that's where you need to start. But does everybody know that if you read the Bible 10 to 15 minutes a day that you'll read the entire Bible through in the year. If you double that for 30 minutes a day, most readers can read the whole Bible through in six months. Is there anybody here that's too busy for 10 minutes? I'm a pretty busy guy. Sister Kidwell, you're a pretty busy lady. We got a lot of stuff going on, but we want to make sure that we're making time for the word of God to pour into us. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 provides the context for our study. We're going to go to our, our scripture that we've been hanging our hat on for the last three weeks. Galatians chapter 5 beginning at verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk. This is the context of our engagement and our interaction with God, that we continue moving. Amen. God is, God is moving, right? He, he, this, the spirit of God is continuing to grow and to go places and to be places. You can't be on the, on the train of God and be stationary. This train's moving. This train is bound for glory, this train. This train's a moving. So if you're gonna be on the train, you're gonna be a moving train. You can't, you, it's, you, can't, you can't stand still in the spirit. You have to walk in the spirit. Everything that you do, every place that you go, Needs to walk. This relationship. Everyone has a relationship with God. So how do we have a good relationship? Anybody here married? Yeah? Anybody here have a friend or a loved one or a family member that you love more than life itself? You do? Okay, great. Let me ask you something. Would your relationship with that person be very good if you never spoke? Would your relationship with that person be very good if the only time that you spoke was once a week? I'll go even deeper. Would your relationship with said person be very good if the only time you spoke, you recited the same words over and over and over? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a relationship. You've got to have that that. Open dialogue with the Lord, as I like to call it. Talk to the Lord the way that you feel. He already knows your heart. He already knows your thoughts. Don't try to hide it from him. 
Be open and honest with the Lord and allow him to pour into your life. Until you open yourself up to him, he's not going to pour himself on you. He's a gentleman. The Lord's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. He is going to wait for you to open yourself up to allow the word to come in. And if it needs to correct, to correct. If it needs to uplift, uplift. If it needs to encourage, it needs to encourage. But whatever it needs to do, I want the will of God in my life. Amen? This happens through relationship. And when you have that good relationship, you will walk with God to know him and to be in step with him. Come here, babe. I'm put her on the spot. Put her on the spot. In the, in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that they walked daily with the Spirit of God, that they would flow through the, through the Garden of Eden and they would go different places. Now listen, if she wanted to walk with me but she doesn't hold hold of my hand and I'm just gonna continue to keep walking, this relationship is gonna fade. She's not gonna be able to hear what I have to say to her. I'm not gonna be able to pour into her. I'm not gonna be able to allow the word of God, my words, to speak into her life and pour into her. No, that relationship, we come hand in hand and we walk step in step. Good, bad, and the ugly. And you know what? I would much rather walk through the ugly with this beautiful lady right here than go with it alone. Amen? I would much rather go through the craziness of life knowing that God has a hold of my hand. And every step that I'm taking, every move that I'm making, everything that I do, every action that I have, he is walking with me. He's talking with me. He is in step with me. That is a true relationship. Amen? Amen. You're on the same level. You're in, you, you, have the, you have his thought. Your thoughts become, when, when, I'm going to tell you right now, there are times she just finishes my sentences and I do the same thing to her. Why? Because we are in a relationship. There are times she knows exactly what I'm thinking before I say it. Why? Because we're in a relationship. She knows me. Do you think that happens because we talk once a week? Do you think that happens because we, every so often, uh, there's a, I, I get a, oh, you know what, I need to go to church today and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna run up there and I'm gonna grab her hand and say, hey, you remember me? I know we haven't seen each other in like four or five weeks, but um, you know, I'm gonna tell you everything that's going on in my life and this is everything that I need. Will you give me all that? Doesn't make sense, does it? Would you, if you were that person that comes here all the time and I'm always here and I'm always pouring out, I'm always giving unto you, I'm always giving my, my all, my all, I want to give you everything that I have, but you don't show up but once every six weeks to pour all your problems on me and ask for all these things and then walk off and you disappear for six more weeks and do all the foolishness I told you not to. Hello? Walk in step with the Lord. If we want to be truly in the flesh, op, or, or, or excuse me, uh, in the spirit, not operating in our flesh, but operating in the spirit. We need to take Jesus by the hand and walk daily. Everybody say daily. Daily. The reason this woman right here can finish my sentences and know what I'm thinking before I say it is because daily we have conversation. And daily, even if I don't like it sometimes, she tells me what I need to hear. Not just what I want to hear, but what I need to hear. Why? Because she loves me and she cares about me and she wants to see me grow. And it's the same way. There's times that I tell her what she needs to hear, not what she wants to hear. And does she like it all the time? No. Exactly. Not all the time does she like it. But you know what? We love each other too much, here it is, to allow the other to be less than what God had called them to be. We love each other too much than to allow them to become less than their potential. I believe she has greater potential than what she realizes. She believes I have greater potential than what I realize. It's the same way in our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is at its purest and truest form. Then we have that conversation daily. I take, that, I take the Lord by the hand and say, okay, Lord, I, I love you, and I know we've been talking about this for a few days, and this is what I'm dealing with, this is what I'm struggling with. And he goes, I know, and I told you what to do. And sometimes my, my dumb butt goes, yeah, I know, I should have done that this other way. I'm sorry, Lord. But you know what? I have that conversation with the Lord sometimes. Sometimes he has to, anybody else have the Lord talk to him that way? I don't know, anybody else, maybe it's just the Lord, he just, me and him have a weird relationship. Sometimes he looks at me and goes, listen, moron. It's a lot, lots of times. There's times I, I got to look in the mirror, I'm like, God, I don't know what I'm doing right now. And he goes, yeah, I told you what to do and you're, you're messing it up, bub. He just maybe that's how it is, and that's the way it needs to be in my life. He tells me how what I need to hear, not just what I want to hear. 
If we're going to operate in the spirit, we need to be hand in hand. Just like it, that was the worst part, in my opinion, of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden is they lost that daily communion, that walk with God. That was the worst part of that fall. Why? Because that was, in my opinion, the greatest part about the Garden of Eden, to be able to walk and talk with Jesus in the most beautiful place that the earth had ever seen, paradise. Everybody say amen. Amen. Boy, she's pretty. That's right, sis. Amen. Everyone has a relationship with God, and to walk with God is to know him and to be in step with him. So going on to verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against, everybody say against, the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against, everybody say against, the flesh. Your flesh and the spirit don't want to work together. Bible says so, not just me. It's Bible. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Resistance of the flesh, against, opposed. It's sinful nature. It's sinful in its way. It's the way, it's, it's just the way it is. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Led means direction or submission. Being submitted to the will of God. Jesus Christ, the flesh that God roped himself with, Jesus Christ himself said, not my will, but thy will. That flesh didn't want to die. That flesh sometimes, it it doesn't want to do what the spirit wants to do. Even in Jesus, we see it in scripture. That flesh didn't want to go through the pain, the suffering. It didn't want to go through the whipping, the beating, the, broken, uh, the brokenness, the, 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 the bleeding, the suffering. It didn't want to go through that. But not my will, but thy will. It was submitted to the spirit. Movement alone, activity alone does not equal progress. Hello? Everybody hear that? Movement alone, activity alone, does not equal progress. Movement plus direction equals progress. I can move all day long right here. Am I making any progress? No. If the spirit is saying, go this way, I want you to move this way, and I'm, I'm trying to move in the spirit, but I'm not walking in the way I'm walk, I need to walk, I'm not making any progress. So we need to be led. Everybody say led. Led by the spirit and not be under the law. We need to be submitted to the hand of God. We need to take him like we were just doing a minute ago by the hand and allow him to lead us, guide us, direct us. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Evident means they're manifest, they are visible. They are predictable. This is what the flesh produces. If you don't believe me, look at anything outside of the church that Hollywood considers to be okay. That this world considers to be okay. It is evident that the flesh is sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. We see it. All, it's broadcasted all over social media. It's broadcasted all over the television. We see it evident walking up and down the streets sometimes. It is evident. They are, but here, here's the thing. Here, this is key. They are a choice. We can't blame them on the personality or the conditioning or the environment of how we were raised. The flesh works um, it, 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 or the, the first works of the flesh are closely aligned. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. We, we see these, these first three things aligned and they're pretty close together. They, 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 a lot of the same stuff kind of overlaps there, but what, what I'm trying to say is it is evident in the flesh and it's evident in our world. Everything that we see around us, it is evident. Ephesians 5 and 3 in the NIV But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So continuing in Galatians, back to Galatians chapter 5 verse 20, the next two are closely aligned, idolatry and sorcery. We talked about that last week. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. 
anything that comes between you, anything that is actively working to keep you from having a deeper relationship with the Lord is an idol in your life. Sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions. Idolatry, anything that we put in place of God, anything we cannot say no to. Worship of self rather than worship of God. Hello. Think, everybody just take a quick moment and I want you to think, I want you to ponder. Is there anything that could pop up in your life right now that would make you say, I can't come to church on Sunday because that's more important? Is there anything that would pop up in your life that would say, God, me and you are going to have to not have a conversation for a couple of days because I've got to go take care of this. This is idolatry in your life. Sorcery, it can refer to many things. Mostly, if you look at the context of the original Hebrew it was written in, this, or, or excuse me, the Greek that it was written in, excuse me, um, it refers to things like witchcraft or illicit drugs, things that cause you to hallucinate or, or, or cause you to see things that aren't really there uh, and attempt to entertain evil spirits and have communication with the dead, form of idolatry that deals with the supernatural, if you will. Ouija boards, going to see a, a palm reader, things like that. These are things that the Bible refers to as sorcery, to taking mind-altering drugs. This is the type, Christians should have nothing to do with illegal drugs, with illicit drugs or sorcery. Witchcraft, dark powers, black magic, witches, wizards, any of it. You should have nothing to do with any of it. Because, and it says it right there. And all, all of it has its roots in what they call black or dark magic. God is a God of light. He overcomes the darkness. Amen? I don't want to operate in a place of darkness. I want to operate in the light. Amen? So we, we, we should have nothing to do with it. The, the following works for the flesh are those which represent relationships with others. Um, it specifically deals with unhealthy relationships and conflicts. The flesh resists unity in the home and in the church. The flesh wants me, 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 my, 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 not you, 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 I, you yours, yours, yours. Amen? If we're going to truly be together, bound together in unity, me and my wife, I love her with everything that's in me, and I want to put her needs before my own. Hello? There is no such thing as true love without sacrifice. Y'all miss that. There is no such thing as true love without sacrifice. If you truly love someone, look at, for God so loved the world that he gave. The flesh didn't want to do that. It gave up what it wanted to do because it loved you so much. Because God loved you so much. The love that I have for my wife causes me to deny myself and deny what I want most of the time to make sure that she's ha her happiness comes before mine. Amen? That's how that works. So it, 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 we, have to, we have to fight for unity because it doesn't happen naturally. We have to fight for it. Unity is powerful. It demonstrates that the flesh has been crucified because the flesh does not want, again, the flesh operates in me, 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 my, 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 not yours, 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 you, you, you. It doesn't operate that way. But the Billy Cole, phenomenal, powerful man of God, saw more people get the Holy Ghost than anybody else on the planet, never prayed once for revival. He always prayed for unity. And when they became unified like they were on the day of Pentecost, one mind, one accord, he saw hundreds of thousands of people get the Holy Ghost in Ethiopia. Hundreds of thousands. It was mind-boggling to think about. But when they became unified in the Holy Ghost, anything was possible. Okay, so moving on. Enmity. This is hostility towards others. Again, this is another thing where we, uh, we have it, an issue with another person that's coming against the unity. We want to be unified in this church. Strife, an affection for contention and debate, which is often manifested through uh, bitterness, uh, a root of bitterness, or, or, this, or social media is a, is a good place right now where you'll find nothing but strife. Amen? There are people, I think, that their entire life goal is to get on social media and find somebody to argue with. I, I wish I had your time, bro. 
I wish I had your time. I wish I had your commitment to it too. I, there, there, I don't know, my Lord, if there's something I'm that passionate about that I could just take two and a half hours out of my day to argue with somebody I've never met that may not even be real. I, I just don't know. That's just, it's mind-boggling to me. So strife is another thing that fights against the unity and uh, jealousy is a, a burning emotion and a wrong desire for something you do or do not have and, or cannot have. The, the jealousy is another place that causes that, that root of bitterness, if you will, and, and, and it gets down deep inside you and, and causes us to have disunity rather than unity. Fits of anger or rage and angry temper, fierce indignation. These, these are all things that combat unity rather than promote unity. Amen? So now we, we go on to the next one, rivalries. Rivalries. This is a carnal ambition. It is self-seeking. The seeking of followers by means of gifts or bribery. Um, uh, mercenary, merely for hire. Uh, acting for one's own gain. Self-interest that is placed ahead of God and others. Used of those who are uh, uh, for uh the courting popular applause and trickery and, and, and seeking officer position not for service but for personal gain. Think about any politician you've ever talked to. Hallelujah. Get off my soapbox. Paul uses this word in Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 3 in the English Standard Version says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let this mind be in you, which is also in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Humility, servant, submit to death. Does any of that sound fun to your flesh? Think about it for a minute. Any of that sound fun? Our flesh doesn't want to be humble. It doesn't want to serve. It doesn't want to be a servant. It doesn't want to submit unto death. But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We cannot allow rivalries to cause another boot, uh, root of bitterness, if you will. I keep coming back to that. In Hebrews chapter 12, study that, read it up. It's, it's unbelievable to think about, or unbelievable is the wrong word because it happens. So it's, it's mind-boggling, if you will, to think about that in Hebrews chapter 12, it talks about how that root of bitterness that got into Esau caused him to choose a morsel of meat over his birthright. Sometimes the enemy hangs those things in front of our face. And it looks good right then and there because the bitterness, the hate, the resentment, whatever you've allowed to get inside your spirit, it looks good to your flesh. And in that moment, you make a critical decision and a critical error. And the Bible says that afterward, when he, he inherited the blessing, he was, when he looked to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. And he found no repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. We have to be careful if we allow a, a root of bitterness to cause enmity, strife, jealousy, a fit of anger, rivalries within us. We can't allow that to happen. Because as soon as that happened, we move on into the next problem, dissension. Division, two visions, standing apart, disunion. Separating people into pointless factions. Unnecessary segregation. A society in which members fly apart instead of coming together. Fighting against each other instead of fighting for each other. Does that sound like a fun place to be a part of? I don't think so. Romans 16 and verse 17, New Living Translation and now I make one more appeal. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching them things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Pretty powerful words. Beware of those who question doctrine and question spiritual authority. Stay away from them. They are unbiblical. They are sinful. They are working in their flesh. They are not working in the spirit. If somebody questions your spiritual authority, the first thing you need to do is go to your spiritual authority. 
I got one amen. So I don't know if the rest of y'all believe that, but you need to hear me and hear me clearly. If you don't hear another word I say tonight, if somebody causes you to question your spiritual authority, the first thing you need to do is go to your spiritual authority. You need to get away from anybody who causes you to question the doctrine or spiritual authority. If your spiritual authority says X, Y, and Z, it is X, Y, and Z, period. There is no deviation. Amen? You need to stay away from them. They're unbiblical, they are sinful. They are causing division. It is similar to dissension, but now with a more narrow focus. The Greek word is heres, or we get heresy, a, 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 a self-chosen opinion. It normally starts with something like this, I think or I feel. A religious or philosophical sect, discord or contention. Specifically a heresy or a false doctrine that causes division. A disliking, not just of each other's views, but of each other. They typically get into a position where they feel that they are better than most because of their belief or what they think they believe. In this moment, there is never another time that you need to cling to your pastor or your spiritual authority more than that. You need to cling to what they tell you and instruct you to do. 2 Peter 2 and 1, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Just because it sounds good doesn't make it right. I'm going to say that again. Just because it sounds good doesn't make it right. Esau thought that morsel of meat looked real good in that moment, Brother Chapman, didn't it? What did he give up for it? Everything. I couldn't imagine giving up everything that God had promised me for something that wasn't even, it was temporal. Why give up the temporal for what is eternal? Sincerity and passion do not equal truth. You can be sincerely and passionately wrong. We must continue to cleave unto what our spiritual authorities have told us. Why? Because God put them in your life for a reason. Not to question them, but to trust them. Now, if they make a mistake, it's on them. And the Bible talks about provisions that are made for you. That if you honor what, if you honor what you're, look at, uh, look at Jacob. Would you agree that his spiritual authority at the time, his father-in-law, did him wrong? Did God honor him and bless him in that moment? Exceeding and abundantly, he, got, he blessed him in that moment. If you will honor, even if they are doing you wrong or even if you don't understand at the time what they are trying to explain to you or if you feel that they're doing you wrong but you still cling unto them and you do what you are asked to do, God will honor and he will bless you. I got one hand clap. hear, Hear me and hear me clearly tonight. If you want the blessing and favor of God, be submitted to your authority. If you want to see God's hand upon your life, be submitted to your authority. If you want to see it pulled off, take that authority off of you. If we continue in Galatians chapter 5, go on to verse 21. English Standard Version is what I'm reading from just to make, give a little extra clarity. We go on to the words of envy and drunkenness and orgies and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not, everybody say will not, inherit the kingdom of God. Let's look at that word envy. This is a mean word. Euphrates said this, envy is the greatest of all diseases among men. In the Greek, it means a grudge or to have spite, to decay, to break down, corruption, a strong desire due to the influence of sin, the miserable trait of being glad when someone's experiences, in someone's experiences of misfortune or pain. A grief at someone else's good. 
A jealousy that negatively energizes someone with an embittered mind. To depress others down to one, one's own level. It is not a jealousy to have what others have. It is a desire to ha- that they not have it. I'm going to say that again. Make sure you understood what I said. It is not a, a jealousy to have what others have. It is just a desire that they don't have what they have. It is an evil and hateful attitude. Mark 15 and 10 says this, it was envy that drove the chief priest to deliver Jesus to Pilate to be crucified. Back to Hebrews 12 and 15, what we were just talking about a minute ago. It produces the root of bitterness that defiles many. This, this envy of wanting what Jacob had in that moment. And Esau said, I need what you have. And that, that envy of having that pottage that in, his, in his body, something temporal. And he gave it up, everything for it. What does God have for you that you may or may not have given something up for? What major blessing, what unbelievable supernatural uh, move of the spirit that you could be a part of that God is going to orchestrate your steps and he's going to do things through you that you can't even begin to understand or even fathom, but you gave it up for one morsel and allowed the root of bitterness to get in and cause it to belch up and come against the unity and ultimately destroy what could have been there? I'm going to read it real quick. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15, looking diligently lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicators or profane person. As Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Verse 17. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Does anybody under the sound of my voice want to be in a position where you seek repentance over and over and over for a mad, a bad, a ridiculous mistake that you made and not find it. Though you sought it carefully with tears, these are the things that happen when we operate in the flesh and not in the spirit. I'm going to move on to the next word, drunkenness. The Greek word is meth, or it literally means to be drunk or intoxicated. The influence of alcohol. The intent is to numb the pain of a guilty conscience. Luke 21, verses 34 and 35, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Now, I've got a family member in my life that uses this scripture that says, well, it says right there it's drunkenness. So as long as I don't drink, it's okay to get, or as long as I don't get drunk, it's okay for me to drink. The answer is no. Because as soon, any study that you look at, all statistics say that as soon as you take in any amount of alcohol into your life, you have, your your senses begin to dull and it slows your reflexes, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. It weakens your conscience. It quiets the voice of the spirit and strengthens the voice of the flesh. The smallest sip. Not just, not just my words, not just the Bible. This is, this is scientifically proven. The smallest sip will begin to alter your mind. And then it goes back under what we were just talking about a minute ago, under the word sorcery, where it begins to alter the way you think, the way you talk, the way that you act. Amen? 
It weakens the conscience, quiets the spirit, and it strengthens the flesh. Ephesians 5 and verse 18, New Living Translation. Don't be drunk with wine because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Don't come under the influence of or the power of anything. Instead, submit to the influence and the control of the Spirit. Drunkenness is often also associated in Scripture with spiritual immorality, which leads to the next work of the flesh, orgies. In the Bible, the final work of the flesh mentioned specifically, uh, the the Greek word is komos. It it means carousing or reviling, a riotous party, a drunken feast with unbridled sexual immorality. Pleasures that have disintegrated into debauchery, if you will. Wild, ferocious, ecstatic behavior, drinking parties that are uh, protracted until the late uh, night and the evening and carousals letting loose or loose living. Anybody ever heard that phrase in the world, just let loose? That's not scriptural. God doesn't like, he doesn't approve of it. Luke 21 and verse 34, again, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware. We find the same Greek word used in 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4 verses 1 through 5, New Living Translation. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, You must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, hello, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough with the past of the evil things the godless people enjoy, their immoralities and lusts, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Again, flesh literally equals the rejection of God because it doesn't want to do what God wants to do. Verse four, of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. Verse five, but remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both living and dead. I had a conversation with somebody earlier today. They were asking questions about how to make hard, very hard, tough decisions leading their family, leading their home. You must align yourself with the word of God. Hear me clearly. Align yourself with the word of God. Ask yourself these questions before you make those decisions. If I make this decision, am I going against anything this word says? Even if it hurts to not make that decision. Even if it's going to hurt family members even if it's going to make them upset, if it's going to make them want to resent you. If you're in line with the Spirit, they're not. If they were in line with the Spirit, they wouldn't be upset. And ultimately, I said it this way, and I'll make it as plain as I possibly can. I love that woman with more than anything, with more than life itself, more than the breath I'm taking right now. But I love him more. And I have to be in line. I, I, this, if this relationship isn't right, this one will never be right. This one's got to be right. So every decision that I have to make, even if I don't like way, the way it's going to take, and even if I don't like what the outcome might be for that other person, if I'm making the judgment call, I have to be aligned with the word of God. I have to be aligned with what thus saith the word of God. I have to be aligned with the spirit. Why? Because if I'm not, this relationship is wrong. And no other relationship can be right. Those who are still living according to the lusts of the flesh will never understand your decision to crucify your own and to live according to the power of the spirit. Don't get frustrated at their lack of understanding or their lack of support because it will happen. The carnal mind, the Bible says, is enmity with God. They're not going to understand it. They may resent you for it, but I promise you they'll respect you more when you stand your ground. But you must be aligned with this word. 
You have to be aligned with the word of God. Every action I do, every step that I take, is this according to the word of God. Because if it's not, regardless of how much you want it or don't want it, you have to want what God wants and deny this flesh. Deny it. Align yourself with this word. And things like these. Galatians 5 and 21 again. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Everybody say will not. That means that there's no question. There's no, well, what if this, or maybe this, or no. There is no question. The list is not exhaustive. It it merely illustrates the kind of behavior that is manifested by yielding to the desires of the flesh and not submitting to the spirit. I think tonight we need to do some some envision practice of ourselves. We need to envision in ourselves, what what am I doing? It's it's indicative of a pattern if you continue to go down a destructive road and one thing after another continues to fall apart and crumble. What's the pattern? You're choosing flesh over spirit. It's a pattern of your behavior. Not a momentary lapse of judgment or a mistake that quickly re- that is quickly repented of and, and turned away from. I'm talking about a pattern of your behavior. What are you practicing tonight? These works of the flesh will exclude you from inheriting the kingdom of God. Your behavior cannot save you. His actions on the cross save us. Your behavior cannot remove you from the kingdom of God. You cannot, you you definitely cannot lose when you choose the spirit, but you will always lose when you choose the flesh. Who inherits the kingdom of God? Those who are born again, born of water and of spirit. There must be a transformation that enables us and empowers us to deny the flesh. It is through the transformation that we come to produce the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, moving on, verse 22 through 25, the English Standard Version. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This is what the Spirit of God produces in us. Not natural attributes. Not what our flesh normally does. This is what the Spirit of God produces in us. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Verse 25, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What's the reality tonight? The Spirit is truly willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's hear an even better reality. I can do all things. Philippians 4.13, put that up there for me, Brother Ryan. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. The reality is the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak, but the greater reality is we can do all things. Through Christ Jesus. If you feel like you can't do it, allow him to do it. Allow him to take over. Don't give up the fight. I need you to stay in this battle. God needs you to stay in this battle. We can win this thing. We, what we feed is what gets stronger. We talked about this last week. What you focus on gets larger and what you listen to gets louder and what we pursue gets closer. So what are you feeding tonight? Are you feeding your flesh? Are you feeding your spirit? What are you focused on? What's your focus tonight? 
because it's going to get larger. Are you focused on the craziness, the circumstances of life? Hey, I've been there. I'm human. There's times I let the craziness that goes on outside of these four walls cloud my judgment and my reasoning and my understanding, and I've got to find a centered place with the Lord because if I don't, I just freak out. I couldn't imagine going through life in the craziness that happens in life without the power of the Holy Ghost. I couldn't imagine. So what are you focusing on? What are you listening to? Because it's going to get louder. Are you listening to the encouragement that comes from the power of the Holy Ghost? Are you listening to the things of God? Are you listening to his voice? Are you talking to him? Are you in his word and allowing it to speak to you? Are you listening to this world? Are you listening to what they're telling you on, on, on social media or on, on the news? Are you listening to what they're telling you down the street? Are you listening to what everybody else is saying? What are you pursuing tonight? Because it gets closer to you. Are you pursuing the things of God? Are you pursuing what God is calling you to? Are you pursuing what God has asked you to become? Or are you pursuing the flesh? Are you pursuing the things of this world? Whatever you pursue is going to get closer. Galatians 2 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You can live for God in the flesh. You can be victorious in the flesh. How? You have to be led by the Spirit. You missed it. It is not enough just to be filled with the Spirit, a one-time experience or one-time church experience, but we must be led by the Spirit every single day, that daily walk. Like we were just, me and Sister Kidwell just did all across the front of this church for a few minutes. It needs to be daily. You need to have that conversation with him every single day. You need to be submitted and surrendered unto the Spirit. You need to be in step with God. Why? Because if you are in step with him, you get all the attributes that come with him. What are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Ah. What do you want tonight? What do we want tonight? Do we want the flesh to take over? We see what happens out in the world when they operate in the flesh. Would we agree that the world's in a pretty crazy predicament right now? We, would we agree as a, as a family tonight that the world's done lost their ever-living mind? I thought I'd get a bigger amen out of you, Brother Bob. There's times that I take a quick minute and I'll just look at what they're saying on the news and I'll look at social media and I'll be like, dear Barbara. My old, my favorite, they'd crucify you on the six o'clock news now if you did it. My favorite teacher, my favorite teacher growing up his name was Mr. Mate. And if you said something stupid, he'd go, come here. He'd go, right on your forehead. They'd, you did that now, they'd crucify on the six o'clock news. He was my favorite. And there's times that I just, I think that there's a lot of people that you just need to walk up and go, what are you thinking? Why? They're operating in the flesh. And when they operate in the flesh, they operate according to all of these things that we've talked about in the last two weeks. I don't want to operate in the flesh. I want to operate in the spirit. I'm a much happier person when I operate in the spirit. People like me more when I operate in the spirit. Guess what? You're a tough pill to swallow. People like you more when you operate in the spirit. Did I say that nice enough? Just a kid will give me the eye. Just making sure. I don't mean to sound rude or hateful. If I did, I apologize. That's not what I mean. Don't don't mistake my passion for and my desire for being upset. It's not that I'm upset, but I am passionate about where God is taking us. And we have to operate in the spirit if we're going to make it to this pinnacle. And we will. This church, you hear me clearly, we will. We are moving forward. We're not going back. We're moving ahead. We are moving forward. So here's the reality. If you're not willing to get on the train, you're going to get left behind. Who wants to be standing on the on the uh, the proverbial 
side of the road waiting for the train that's never going to come. Because this train's not coming back. It's moving forward. It's being led by the Spirit. Amen? Everybody stand, please. And if it's appropriate, just I want you to find somebody just to pray with and I just want you to speak a word of encouragement and, and some unity into somebody. If your wife's next to you, your spouse is next to you, if you've got a friend or a loved one here, somebody, just everybody find somebody. Uh, nobody left alone. And I just want us to just for a couple of moments just pray for, our, pray, pray for each other, that we be led by the Spirit, not led by our own flesh, not led by our own devices. If, you're, if, we, if we could just do that all across this house, just ask God, right now to bless that person that you're praying for. Ask, speak a word of encouragement into their life right now. Can we do that all across this house? Lord, I thank you, Lord, for every person that's in this church. God, I thank you for where you're taking us. God, and I thank you for never leaving nor forsaking us, God, the way your word says and declares that you do. But God, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would encourage every member of this church, God, to be willing to sacrifice their fleshly desires. God, on this altar, God, and be willing, oh God, to give of themselves to you, Lord, to walk according to the will of the Holy Ghost. God, not in our own fleshly desires, not in our own reasoning and understanding, but God, to be, oh God, filled with the Spirit, God, to operate according to the will of the Holy Ghost. God, take over our hearts, take over our minds, take over our thoughts, take over our actions, Actions, Heavenly Father, you lead us where we need to go, God. You guide us where we need to go. You direct us where we need to go, Jesus. God, for if we walk, God, according to our flesh, we will stumble. We will fall, God. Don't let us fall by the wayside, Heavenly Father. Shake us tonight. Change us tonight, God. Rearrange us tonight, God. God, change our thinking, God. God, get a hold of our hearts in our minds tonight, God, that we would realize, God, that we need, we need, we need, oh God, to operate in the Holy Ghost, not according to our own desires, not according to our own understanding, not to according to our fleshly lust and, and reasoning, God, but according to you, God, your will, your thoughts, your plan, oh God, is what's best for me, oh God. Pour it out out in this place tonight, Heavenly Father. Encourage every person that is here, God. God, let them know, God, that you will not leave them nor forsake them. God, that you are with them, that you are for them and not against them, God. Let them be encouraged tonight, God, that they can make it through this battle. They will overcome. They will overcome. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, they will overcome. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mighty God. My, my, my. I love what I feel in this place right now. I hope I wasn't too strong or too hard on you tonight. I just want to make sure that we are ready for where God is taking us. We cannot make it to where God has taken us if we operate in the flesh. We have got to operate in the spirit. Amen? I wish I could tell you it was going to be easy, but the fact of the matter is it's a battle. I saw somebody post this on Facebook. I know I've been bashing social media all day, but it was, it was probably one of the most profound things I've read in a while on Facebook, and that's hard to find on there. Um, and uh, somebody said this. They said that walk, uh, your relationship and your walk with God is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. Cruise ship is where you go to laze around, be lax days, go to feed your flesh. If you've ever been on one for more than five seconds, you, you, you walk on one and you gain three pounds just walking through the door. You feed that flesh. Battleships. Where's, where's Brother Bob at? Brother Bob, I'm telling you right now, he can tell you a thing or two about a battleship. It's not a place of it's not a place of leisure. Battleship is not a place where we go to relax. It's where we go to fight. Who's ready to fight with me? 
Amen, amen, amen. Um, as you, you're dismissed tonight, but as you leave tonight, uh, Brother Mark, do you have the... Okay, we'll, we'll get uh, right here, Brother, Brother McDonald. Thank you, Brother McDonald. He's going to be by the back door. If you've got tithes and offerings for, the, for your Wednesday night tithes and offering, you drop that in the, uh, the bag there. Oh, my Lord, I almost said the plate, but that's not a plate. We haven't had plates in forever. Um, drop that in the uh, bag there as you lock out. Other than that, you're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name. We'll see you Sunday. Love y'all.